0: This is Agatha Brewer, and you're listening to the Intentional Solopreneur Podcast, the show about how to launch and grow a successful service-based business. In each episode, I show you how to build a business on purpose, one that lights you up, keeps you inspired, and helps you make a bigger impact on the world. I share both marketing strategy and my best mindset tips to help you get the clarity and confidence you need to succeed as a new business owner. everyone this is agatha brewer and you're listening to the intentional solopreneur today's guest is a multi-passionate entrepreneur or what some would call a multi-hyphenate in his case this means he's a professional speaker business growth strategy coach virtual event design consultant executive zoom producer mc podcast host author virtual presentation skills trainer and i'm probably leaving something out he has been recognized as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Inc, and as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. As a virtual event design consultant, he assists organizations with bringing their events strategically online with less stress and greater participant engagement. As a business growth strategy coach, he helps his clients discover likely prospects who already know, like, and trust them. So they stopped struggling to launch their offer. Since 2016, he has hosted the On the Schmooze podcast. And since March, 2020, a weekly hashtag NoMoreBadZoom virtual happy hour. Please join me in welcoming all the way from his home in the Philadelphia suburbs, a TEDx speaker, an HBR contributor and Scrabble champion, at least in his own home, Robbie Samuels.
1: Yeah, my wife and I actually got to know each other through Scrabble, so we still occasionally find the time to play, and I, I, I barely beat her these days, but still a Scrabble champion in my own home. Nice to be here, Agatha.
0: <laughs> Thanks. I actually like Scrabble as well, but the, the new one is Wordle, so <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've heard of that one, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so in today's episode, I thought we'd talk about why it's important to build an audience before you create your offer and how to actually go about doing that. So let's jump right in. (laughs) So it's pretty obvious from your bio that you truly are a multi-passionate entrepreneur and have a lot of different interests. So I'd love to hear a little bit of your story and what brought you to the work you do now.
1: Well, uh, prior to the pandemic, I spent over a decade working to be recognized as a networking expert. And this began, uh, my first paid talks were like around 2009. Uh, In 2015, I go into entrepreneurship full-time and have to figure out who my new audience is because prior to that, I was in a sort of nonprofit foundation space. I launched my podcast in 2016. Um, 2017, my first book came out, which is about networking at conferences. Uh, 2018, a group coaching program about business development. 2019, a TEDx, which was sort of highlighting my key takeaway from my talk, which by then I'd done for over a decade. and. And you could just imagine <laughs> all the things I was known for eye contact, business cards, shaking hands, and body language were not the things people needed as of March 2020. And so, my story is that I was trying to figure out how to show up and add value. I wrote nine ways to network in a pandemic, which I shared on March 12th. And then I decided I would try one of those things. So, that's how I ended up on March 13th, 2020, the, the same day like the world hit pause, running my first. Virtual happy hour. And I did it several weeks in a row, and people started asking me for help with their Zoom events. And I was learning and learning and learning. And a month later, I announced that I was committed to doing this weekly event. And that's when I branded it No More Bad Zoom. And it got the hashtag and the no more set up. And I also announced a pilot four-week program called the 5% advantage program. And the reason that was possible is that a lot of people reaching out to me and I turned those calls into research calls. And that happened because I'm also a business growth strategy coach. And when the pandemic hit, I was in the process of coaching about a dozen entrepreneurs a week. And I would never have given them the advice to just fill up their calendar with social chats. So I really had to sort of treat myself like a client. Fast forward eight months later, I had a thriving six figure business based on all new revenue streams. I was by then hired by major companies and um, sort of really mission-driven organizations that bring their events online with less stress, as you said, and greater participant engagement. 2021, kept going, was able to move my family to another state and buy a beautiful home. And everyone kept asking me like, how did you do this? So I decided it was time to share a book that I had started writing in 2018, which really kind of shares all these best practices and, and strategies uh, for building that audience first. And that is how I came to publish last year in October, 2021, my second book, Smallest Big Results. So that kind of brings us to, to present day uh, and uh, and why we're here to, talking about how do you build an audience before you sort of share an offer to the world.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've been really busy. <laughs>
1: But it was a very busy couple of years. Yes.
0: Yeah, but it's also really cool. And I, I started reading your book, so thank you for sharing that that copy. Like, I can just tell how much you like are willing to pivot and willing to you know. I guess you had to in your business because you were you know circumstances, the pandemic, and everything. And and you learned something in your business, and then you started. You know, applying it to other people or that people just started coming to you as an expert, which is super cool. And I I see that in your book as well, like the parts that I've gotten to so far. So um, you mentioned small list, big results, um, launch a successful offer no matter the size of your email list. So why do you think it's so important to build that audience before you create an offer and and how do you go about doing that?
1: Well, let's talk about uh, the subtitle for a second, because the original subtitle that I dreamt up was Leverage your network to grow your business, because that is the solution. And then I came to realize that that's not a solution anyone's looking for. The problem most people think when they try to assess, like, why is it I I, I know people need this? I go and I create it, and whether it's a, I don't know, an online course, a group coaching program, a mastermind, an app, whatever the, the solution is. And then they, you know, they, they hide away somewhere, they develop it. And when they bring it to the marketplace, the market basically says, who are you? What is this? I I don't need this. And we're really like so taken aback because in our assessment, absolutely people need this. The problem is that people don't know that. And so most people think the problem they have to solve for in that instance is I need a better way of marketing and I need more people to market to, oh, I need a bigger email list. And so then they look for ways to build a bigger email list, whether that's Facebook ads or Some people, you know, go the, let's do a virtual summit in order to do list building. But if you're still not clear on who it is you're selling to and what they think they need, those promotional efforts are going to fall short. So in my circumstance, what I'm thinking about is, you know, I have this belief, Agatha, that we've already met to be successful. We've already met 80% of the people we need to know, right? So If that's the case, then why not reach into that existing network of people who already know, like, and trust us, figure out who are our likely prospects and likely referral partners, and then from there, really understand by having calls, what's the problem from their perspective, and then build, co-create with them a solution, get that buy-in, get people who are willing to help you validate and test these ideas, All of this makes so much common sense. Like when you spell it out, it's like, oh, of course you talk to people that you most want to help. But as experts, I count myself included as I've done this, we just know what people need. And so we often jump past those steps and just try to create something. So my book is about slowing this process down. But I will tell you that if it takes you six months to have 20 to 30 research calls, you're still going to learn more in six months than the year and a half of trying to make this work and it not working. So so that's, the, the book is really about how do you um, get to that part of the process where you're willing to be open to having these calls.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I saw that in the book and I haven't finished it, so I will do that because I think it's gonna be valuable for my business as well. But um, I think what we forget as entrepreneurs or also experts is, you know, we're the expert, but we don't always know what that, person we're selling to really wants or really understands um and so when you know i i also launched my own program um and i did do some testing on it as well and i worked with some people and i did the market research calls and they were super valuable because the things that i think people need you know i I know what they need in the end, but they don't always like gravitate towards what I'm talking about in the same words that I'm using, maybe, you know, and so the copy that I write on my website has to be tailored to what they think their problem is, not what I've got going on in my head or, you know, my, um, I guess, preconceived notions are about that audience, you know?
1: I mean, particularly that most people who are experts at one point in their life, like had these these issues, like this was the thing they were challenged by, but you're no longer in that place. And the world has changed in the last couple of years, quite dramatically. So we think we know where people are coming from. And it's actually something else entirely. My book has an example that's really subtle. Um, You creating a a program and you're saying that it's for women who are fatigued, but then you interview 20 women and 12 of them say exhausted and none of them say fatigued. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be using the word fatigued which is sort of a more, you know, academic, you kind of speak women see the word exhausted and they identify with that. So it just, sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes you're really excited about doing a mastermind and that's what you want to do. That's the shiny object you're chasing, but you have some calls. You realize people need training. If people need training, then a mastermind's not the right next step. You need to do the training part first and then build your audience to the point where they're ready for a mastermind. But sometimes we just, we just need to understand more about that. Um, And there's some reasons why people sort of, I think, resist doing that. One is not knowing how to do it, which is what this book solves for. But the other one is people feeling like, no, no, I'm an expert. And I call that expert syndrome when they're like blinded by their own knowledge to the point where they're like, they aren't really looking for input.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you start out your book um, talking about the importance of working on your mindset, which I think is so good (laughs) because that's exactly what stops most people from reaching out to their network. So what would you say to the entrepreneurs out there who maybe are a little bit afraid to tap into their network or possibly who think the people that they already know aren't interested in what they have to offer?
1: Well, uh, there's two extremes uh, for why people don't do this. One, I just sort of mentioned a little bit, which is the expert, you know, who I think the book really tries to speak to them in the sense of, you know, all of the, all these conversations are building a pipeline. Uh, I think of it as a runway, like when you have a really big list, when you've got tens of thousands, 80,000, 100,000 or more people on your list, and you get an idea, you could just throw an email out. And a very tiny fraction has to say yes for you to find 10 people who want to come and be part of a highlight. But when you've got, you know, a couple hundred to a couple thousand, you know, a few thousand people on your list, there's, there's the percentages are not in your favor, you know, for getting 10 people. So this is where you, you, you know, I think of the people with the big lists as having a, a fleet of helicopters <laughs> when they want an idea to take off, they just take off but we have little tiny planes and our little tiny planes need long runways and the calls these conversations with likely prospects and likely refer partners are actually building the runway they're also helping us create a better end product i mean like that's probably the case 99% of the time but even if you actually know everything you ever needed to know it's still going to build the trust the the referability the buy-in from people so that when you announce it, the audience is like craving it and wanting it. So I so as far as speaking to your network and why I focus on mindset, um, as I mentioned in my book, my background, I also was at one point teaching about uh, a training around fundraising. That's another area. I tend to gravitate towards things people find difficult, I guess. Um, and and it's a really, it really is mindset because if you won't kick yourself out of the way and let the cause talk. If you make it, even in sales, if you make it about your own angst, as opposed to the value that, that your service, your product can offer a person the solution, how it can ease people's lives. If you make it about you and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't That's making it about you, like that's not helping people. And we're all in the business, I believe, of trying to have you know, great impact. That's the kind of people I tend to attract. So that's, that's the reason that sort of a mindset shift is recognizing why we're doing this. And then as far as people wanting or not wanting to have a conversation with you, there's a very specific exercise in the book called wake up your network. And the very first part of the process is to download a list of names from either, let's say LinkedIn or your phone contacts or email list, whatever. And then the first part is, is this a person who would recognize my name? And when i be happy to hear from them out of the blue. So if they meet those two criteria, you put an X in that first column. And then there's also columns for their, um, their influence in the world, their interest. Um, and now I've just blanked. Oh, uh, their connection to you. So their connection to you is sort of like how quickly might they respond or how much follow what you have to do their influence on the world, as far as like, could they tell lots of people, they got excited about your offer, uh, your idea. And then their interest is like, how excited are they personally in this? And so with that information, you're really hand selecting people to have conversations with. You're not randomly calling people from a phone book that you don't know. You're not randomly talking to neighbors just because they're nearby. You're really reaching out to people you have some history with. They'd remember your name. You'd be happy to hear from them. And maybe you haven't talked in eight years, but based on where they are today and the company they're working at, you can tell from LinkedIn, et cetera, like you think they'd be a good fit. They're going to be happy to have that conversation. And wh- whether they buy from you or not is not actually even the point in that moment. It's about hearing from them about what they need and then co-creating what that, that next opportunity might look like. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that. The question about like, would, I, I guess it was, would I be interested in hearing from them? Because okay. I, I, As a coach and as a business coach, I get a lot of people trying to cold DM me on Instagram usually or other social platforms and I don't know if they necessarily ask themselves that question because first of all they're strangers so like it feels really sleazy to me but. I know that it works for some people, but I like that you're actually like validating it and actually putting a lot more thought into who you should be contacting and and why, you know, and also not looking at it as necessarily this is a sales conversation immediately. This could just be a referral. This could be they know other people in their network that might want to work with me. So it's it takes a like a little bit of that pressure off um, from the person who's doing it, but also the person receiving the the message. And yeah, you started talking about email marketing, and so I have a background in email marketing, so I know that the numbers matter. And if you have a crappy message, it doesn't matter if you send it to 20,000 people, if you don't know your niche, and you don't know the problem you're solving for people, there's no way that's going to convert. So um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So let's move into the small email list. So is that the reason why entrepreneurs really struggle to find clients for a new offer? Or do you think there's something else going on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I touched on this a little bit, so but just to kind of spell it out, um, the problem isn't the size of someone's email list. You could have nobody in your email list. Um, I mean, my virtual assistant, uh, who will be listening to this at some point because she loves to listen to my interviews. So, hi Pia. Uh, at one point, we worked like a year and a half, and she's like, "I don't really have an email list. I have two people, and it's my like mom and my husband." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay," um, but she's actually now building. She's a daily email. And she's, wow. you know, in her 20-something people now. I mean, like, it's it's building, right? And she's making a effort to build with the right people. But even with the small number of people on her list, she now realizes it's not about, like, just those 20-ish people. It's about her larger network. And she, we did this whole exercise as a team. We were looking at how many phone contacts we had because I was building this deck. And I was saying, I think that people have more phone contacts than LinkedIn contacts on average. And there was, like, this pushback. And I was like, go look at your phone. And the thing is, we've been collecting phone numbers for a long time, like 15 years. And every time we get a new device, they get imported from one device to another. And so I actually had people from 12 and 15 years ago in my phone address book, never thought to clear them out. Um, And so uh, she has tons of people (laughs) that she could reach out to if she does this little exercise. Um, I think the actual problem is that we are building solutions without the input of the people that we're trying to support and serve, without input from likely prospects, without buy-in from likely prospects, without validation from likely prospects, however you want to describe it. We are kind of creating these things in, um, yeah, just like in a vacuum. And then if we don't immediately get great results, we just think we need to tell more people. We don't stop and wonder if it's the offer. And it's. I will say, Agatha, if you spend a year and a half trying to sell something, it's really hard to take notes from other people about what to modify because your ego, speaking from personal experience, can get really wrapped up in what that offer now is. Mm -hmm. So I actually am suggesting that you do research calls before you have a fully formed idea, that you have an inkling of a, you have a general outline, you're really calling people up, you're scheduling calls because you want to test your assumptions. You want to make sure you're moving in the right place, right direction. That's the feedback you're going to get. And then based on what you hear, you develop some kind of pilot and you pick a handful of people. Maybe you, you talk to 20 or 30 people in like three to six months, and then you go back and talk to maybe a dozen people who you think would really be a good fit for the thing you're creating. And the second conversation with them, which is an enrollment call, is really starts with, hey, here's the promise or the outcome of the pilot that I'm putting together. What do you think? And then you listen. And then here's a general outline or structure or flow of how I'm thinking it'll go. And you, what do you think? And you listen. And if they're game, if they seem like this is, they're excited, this seems good, you're like, hey, I reached out to you specifically. There's a, something you said that has really stuck with me. I think it'd be great for the pilot. And then you invite them to enroll. And yes, they charge, you charge them something, just not your full fee in the the future, but those are the people who are gonna continue to wanna give you feedback. And I'm saying you kind of look through your list. You find those 30 people to have a conversation with, two thirds of them should be likely prospects that will yield the ability to talk to eight to 12 people who you think would actually be interested. If you could find between four and 12 people to say yes to a pilot, you can go test something. The the alternative is to go and pay for Facebook ads and direct people to a landing page that is not converting. I've done Which it. When you, <laughs> when you say it out loud, it sounds so absurd. Yeah. I know so many people do it.
0: But I know how to run a Facebook ad, so I'm like, why not? But then, yeah, it's... it's- it's a waste of money <laughs> and i like the the way that you do it and i would definitely recommend listening to your advice because i've built a program i've shot all the videos i've created scripts i've done it all and then like i launched it and like nothing happened but then i've also done it the right way like you've suggested and i redid the videos thankfully i had done it once so like i had some experience so it was easier the second time around and that's the one that i actually tested with people and got their feedback and And you're right like when you have people who are involved in the program from the beginning they give you better feedback and they actually like the feedback they give you is actually worth implementing too you know it's not just like fluff feedback
1: i think one of the dangers that when people think of doing these calls their first instinct is that i'm going to call and tell people what do you think about this meaning like what do you think about this offer it's almost like calling people and saying what do you think this should be a blue button or a green button (laughs) you know like you're giving them no opportunities to really give you input because you have narrowed the feedback to a very specific and constrained set of uh, criteria and the thing they might actually need even more help with the thing that's really urgent the thing they would pay money to solve is outside but adjacent to the thing you're describing but you don't give them the opportunity to ever talk about that so that would be the danger of approaching with a very solid plan of I'm going to be doing X, what do you think about this? But it's really more like, um, I, I mean, I have a whole thing about setting up these calls, for, particularly for the prospects, because they don't know, right? They don't know what the bigger problem is they are dealing with, but asking them to come with three examples to talk about, three questions, three challenges, three um, you know scenarios, problems, something like that. And then talk to talk about that like understanding why these three how is it impacting them etc so you really it is a bit of a coaching moment but you're trying to help people kind of have that bigger world view that you have so that they're more open to the bigger solution that you want to offer them
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so let's go into that bigger solution you're talking about. So there's this concept in your book where you talk about people either being symptom aware or problem aware. So what's the difference between these little P and big P problems? And why do entrepreneurs need to be aware of this?
1: Yeah, so I was kind of skirting close to that, uh, that question. So thank you for kind of digging a little deeper in so I can explain it. Um, this idea of symptom aware and like the uh, the sort of awareness journey of a customer, it's been around for a very long time. I think the earliest um, is from a book in 1966. So it's been around in various forms. And I got to hear it from various people, uh, but I have my little spin on it. So there's this level that other people would call the symptom aware level. And I call that the little p problem aware, because from the perspective of your likely prospect, they would not see it as a symptom. From their perspective, it is a problem that they're dealing with. Now, you know, it's not the big P problem that you know, they actually, you know, tackle in order to see real results. But the little P problem is the thing they are seeking some solution around. And you know, that whole like, sell them what they want and then give them what they need. I think is the way that goes. So the want is a solution for a little P the need is a solution for a bigger P, but they don't know that yet. So too often as experts and as entrepreneurs, we are selling people this solution that feels completely. I don't know, disproportionate. It feels totally out of whack or it just doesn't make sense. I have an example, I've been recently making about pogo sticks, like, If you were running around town telling people to jump on pogo sticks three times and that would solve their problem people would look at you like really cockeyed but if you ask people about what was going on in their life and you were walking them through the process and you're helping them come to the realization that you know actually there is a way through for this and it's pogo stick i can i can help you figure out how to get on and jump three times They're going to be like, where's the pogo stick? Like you have to get to the point where people are asking you, even for like a completely silly out of, it doesn't make sense at first when they come to realize, well, oh, wow, that really does make sense. I really do want that. They come to you. And I think too many of us are so proud of our IP, so proud of our seven steps, so proud of our process that we run around town describing the how of our work when nobody cares. So sorry. Sorry not sorry, (laughs) but nobody cares yet. They will care once they believe you can truly help them. They have that trust in you and they truly believe they can do the thing with your support that will help them get great results. Then they will want to know all about your how, but if we skip ahead and just walk up to people with a pogo stick, it's as ridiculous as it sounds like that is how other people are experiencing us. So Our messaging, our marketing, our email, our copy, our description, all of our talking points really need to be helping people move from that little P awareness to big P awareness. Then they'll be more interested and open to the bigger solution. They'll also realize, wait a second, you're the one who actually helped me realize I have this problem, and you, you have a pretty good idea around a solution. Maybe you can help me implement it. They'll start to become aware of you as a mentor, as a guide, and then the last part of this, this process is Is there urgency? Right? What if, what is the cost of inaction? Because before, when they were only little p aware, the fact that they didn't take any steps to solve the bigger problem it wasn't actually a decision. Like it was a lack of awareness. But now that they know, now that they're aware of that bigger problem and they're aware of the possibility of a bigger solution, and they know that you are available to help them implement this bigger solution now they're actually choosing to not take an action. And they may at some point realize the cost of an action is too great. And that is when the problem becomes urgent enough that they will come to you and ask to work with you. Mm-hmm. And that is like the, the journey that we need to lead people on if we want to attract people who are the right fit for the work we're doing.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's I, I look at all the courses and coaches that I've worked with and if I didn't believe in like why I was going through their process or going through you know the journey they wanted me to go through then I wouldn't have signed up and I've 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 signed up for like a course before where I didn't even talk to the person it was still a group program all I did was read their landing page and I I sat in on a webinar and I was like "I, I need to do this like that's how easy it was you know and and then I see the other opposite where like before I knew what I was doing in coaching in terms of my niche, like I would be on a call with a con, uh, you know, a consult call. And I would have no idea what to tell the person. Cause I was like, uh, we'll do these calls and you can come to me with a topic and yeah, I'll help you. And like, it was it obviously didn't convert into a customer because I didn't even know what the heck I was selling. But now it's like, you have to basically bring them on that journey and tell them why they need to do the things that you're telling them to do. But also for me, like, People come to me because they think they have an issue with their marketing, but it's really their mindset that is the issue. You know, I I really, truly believe that you can market in any way. Any strategy can work as long as you have the mindset to keep doing that strategy and to be consistent with it and to show up when it feels maybe a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit painful, you know. So, yeah, there's definitely two Ps going on at all times when, when you're working with somebody and they have to yeah. really learn about what that other P is to, to buy into, to what you're trying to sell them. So completely agree with that.
1: Yeah. they and, and I always think Agatha that I need an educated and aware, uh, prospecting pool in order to, to truly help people, which is why I go on these interviews, right? Like I offer solutions that are about helping people. Like I'm, I literally give you all the steps in the book. That's not the part that you need from me. But I will handhold people through a 12 week or 12 month process to help them get to the pilot and, you know, build it out into the next iterations. And I, you know, read people's, you know, uh, email copy for those out- outreach emails and um, help them come up with like, what would the, what would the transcript? What was the conversation look like? The outline of the conversation, the template. So it's like all the things that people feel like anxious about doing and just need some help getting over their own inertia. Um, but who's going to want that if they don't even know (laughs) they need to have these calls happen, right? Like it just, it would be me running around town with a pogo stick.
0: (laughs) And I love how your books basically like, or at least this last book, you know, kind of educates people about the problem in the first place. So you're doing that selling like upfront and then they want to work with you and they get it. And so you don't have to like spend all this time trying to explain, you know, your process and why they're doing that. so that's pretty cool how you, it's a little ninja move there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll keep that one in mind as well. So let's just, uh, wrap up with a a question, like what are the common mistakes people make when they're trying to launch their offer? If somebody, you know, if you could give somebody just one or two tips, what would those be?
1: Well, I've always wondered um, how we can kind of get people earlier in the process open to taking these Mm -hmm. steps. You know, I I think there's a point where people have said like, oh, I've been trying this on my own for a while. Okay, Robbie, I give up. I'm willing to listen to you. But because I hate seeing suffering of any kind, it'd be wonderful to me if people really just either just beginning their businesses or just at the beginning of starting a new revenue stream, like maybe they've been a coach, but now they want to create a group or one-on-one coach, but they want to create a group offer. They've been a speaker and they want to do coaching for them to like do this process early. So I think a common mistake is not doing this process at all or doing it much later and thinking you can just figure it out on your own which is why the clients that I tend to work with are these really inspiring entrepreneurial women in their fifties and beyond, and a few awesome men who want to create that, you know, bigger impact, bigger income through some kind of new revenue stream, usually a a new group uh, revenue stream, a course or program. And they are the, I think the age has actually been an interesting demographic piece because they're at a point in life where they don't have time to waste three years trying something. If you're 58 or 62, you're not going to be like, well, I'll just see what happens. Like, no, you just, you're really willing to invest You're coachable. But I get, if you're like 32, you might feel differently, but why? Like, why not at 32? Like, why not? If you're 22 and you're in college and you're like thinking about doing this, like, I think this process, no matter where you are in your stage of life or business, Could always be eye opening and um, a lot. I mean, I've launched two self-published books. My latest has 188 reviews. It came out in October of 2021. Um, My first one came out in 2017 has 191 reviews, and that didn't happen by accident. The second time, I was really thoughtful though about who I invited on the launch team in regards to who I would eventually want to have in my pipeline for whatever future things I'm creating. Right, so. I, I'm really always trying to figure out like, how do you do something once that has multiple benefits? And I think early on in my entrepreneurial career, I wasn't, I, I think I have feeling much more scattershot about my approach. And then over you, over the last few years, it's just become much more stacking your successes on the previous ones. Um, and I talk about all this in the book. The book is really, someone described it as six months of one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. in like 120 something pages. <laughs> I mean, it's a really tight book. It's, it's like, you know, there's stories, but there's not fluff. And I, I really encourage folks to get it. I think, you know, it'll help you avoid a lot of common mistakes that a lot of entrepreneurs make.
0: Yeah. And I, I saw that in your book too. Like you were very, I loved how strategic you were about every single step you took. Like, you know, even about like when you were releasing the, the, the date, what conferences you were going to and things like that. Like, I don't know if everybody thinks that way and they should you know because you you had certain things in place before you even went to uh an event so it, it just showed how obviously practiced you are in this and how you know you think through those things like not everybody does and so then it has a better you know result for you immediately you know um like yeah it's not easy to get that many reviews and i think you the first one that i saw on your page was you know very well-known no like and trust guy, you know, like very well-known people out there in, in the world of marketing. So, um, and sales in general. So, um, as we wrap this up, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who might want to hear more about your work. And so where can they find you?
1: Well, I do have a gift for your audience and it is, um, my book is smallest big results and as a bonus content called big results toolkit. And that toolkit has a whole bunch of resources that i've created to help people implement the strategies in the book including a wake up your network workbook the analyze problem language workbook several worksheets around um goal setting time management um there are suggested books that are every all the books are in the mentioned in the book are in a book reading list Um, and i've also included a 30-minute training that i did Um, i just actually added that in so there's just a lot of great content and resources, and you can get this at robbysamuels.com forward slash Agatha. You can learn about all the multi-passionate ways I try to add value in the world um, at robbysamuels.com. You'll find my, my podcast on the schmooze, both my books, um, et cetera. You'll find everything there. It's kind of the hub uh, for all the spokes of the, of the things that I do. And then every Friday at five o'clock Eastern, I host the No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour. And it'd be a joy to have folks come because we do attract some really awesome entrepreneurial minded folks. Um, and that's at nomorebadzoom.com.
0: Super, thanks so much for putting that page together. I really appreciate it. I have actually checked it out. I've downloaded the stuff. I've already started reading it and yeah, it's super, Hands-on and like practical advice, like that you can actually like implement immediately. So I I think it's a really good complement to the book.
1: Excellent, thank you. Yeah.
0: So I'll also uh, be sure to be sure to share those links um, on the show notes page, so you guys can find them easily. And I wanted to thank you so much for your time today. It's been fascinating hearing your story and I know it's going to be so inspiring and helpful for new entrepreneurs who are getting ready to launch their offers into the world.
1: Brilliant. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you for listening to The Intentional Solopreneur. I hope you're getting some good information and some inspiration to help you grow your business. If you like what you've heard and you want the support of a business coach, come on over to agathabrewer.com and schedule a free consultation with me. In this call, we'll talk about your goals for your business and see if it makes sense for us to work together. My one-on-one coaching program is specifically built to help new entrepreneurs like you launch and grow a successful business. This program will help you get clarity on what you want to build, create a strategic plan of action, and identify and release any mindset blocks that are standing in your way. Because building a business shouldn't be so hard. And with my support, you'll reach your goals way faster than if you try to do it all alone. So I invite you to give yourself the gift of personalized support so you can build your dream business that allows you to live the life you want and make a bigger impact on the world.